Welcome to Insights for Manufacturing, the podcast that supports the UK manufacturing sector. Hosted by Jeff Beecham, the manufacturer's recruiter. Hello and welcome to Insights for Manufacturing. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, George Thompson, who is the chairman at BARA, the British Automation and Robotics Association, which is part of Automate UK. Welcome to the show, George. Thank you very much. I greatly appreciate the opportunity to uh, um, to take part in this recording today. You're very welcome. <clears throat> so, George, firstly, why do UK manufacturing businesses need to automate? Well, there's lots of reasons why companies will look at uh, adopting automation in the, within their manufacturing facilities. Uh, it can be to make themselves um, more competitive uh, in the global market. <clears throat> it can be to reduce waste. So improving their um, environmental sustainability, uh, there's better health and safety um, implications. So, for example, if there's a manual handling process that they're currently uh, uh, doing, yeah. um, it, when you look at the health and safety executive guidance for manual handling, the first thing it, it asks is, do you have to do it? And the second thing it asks is, can you automate it? And I, I guess most people ignore that bit. Yeah. But there's there's things like uh, uh, efficiencies. So obviously, there's um, automation in general will typically be more efficient than operatives will. And most importantly, at the moment, is filling vacancies. Uh, I get this on a regular basis when I'm talking with uh, potential customers. Yeah. Uh, in, in my day job, where you know you ask them, okay, why are you actually looking to automate? We can't get people. We just can't get people to do this process whatever that process is whether it's uh, putting products in boxes or whether it's um, you know doing a machining application whether it's a machine tending application it doesn't matter they just people seem to be struggling to get competent people to do the job yeah and if they can get people they can't keep them because they get poached and that's been a problem for a long time, hasn't it? The more mundane tasks, I suppose, is a, the things that I hear about more often. Mm -hmm. You know, people get bored just doing the same thing day in, day out. I don't know whether it's because people just don't want to work and, and earn money, but um, most people I talk to in, in manufacturing are, are crying out for, for labor on the shop floor, you know, yep. both at the skilled and the unskilled side. Well, we always look at the three Ds is what we refer to it as, the dull, the dirty, and the dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and there's, I've, I've worked on assembly lines uh, early in my career when I was bouncing around trying to figure out what I wanted to do after I got out of the military. And it's mind numbing doing the same task every single day. Yeah. I'm not cut out for it. <laughs> Just simply not. Yeah, some people can do it. It wasn't for me. Same as uh, I upset my dad when I was a kid by not following him into the coal mines. Uh, I went underground, spent a couple of weeks down there and came out and said, sorry, Pop, can't do it. Yeah. You're either a miner or you're not, and I'm not. There's lots of benefits for, for manufacturing businesses to to embrace automation. Skills is a huge one. Uh, interesting, you you mentioned the uh, the sort of dangerous Mm -hmm. sort of processes i know that the sort of the nuclear industry of 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 sort of made use of of automation for certain part you know and there's a you know a prime example of a dangerous working environment so many 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 benefits well there, there's a lot of dangerous or what we would perceive as dangerous uh applications that aren't in that type of industry it's things yeah. that people 
do on a daily basis that they don't necessarily think about. Uh, sanding is one of the worst. You know, if if let's say for example it's a woodworking shop and and you you need to do a, a final sand, and if you're doing that manually, not only do you have the uh, the harm, if you like, so the hand arm vibration thing, yeah, uh, uh, vibration <clears throat> white finger, but you also have the the potential of the dust, and if you don't have good extraction on that dust, it's potentially explosive as well. Yes, so you need to make sure that and bakeries uh, um, or flour processing is another prime example where you have all of that dust in the air. So it's the day to day activities that people may or may not think, well, hang on a minute, how, how else can we do this? You know, you go around food factories, for example, and you see whether working bags of flour or bags of tea or whatever as ingredients. Why are you doing this manually? Why don't you have a little robot there just just putting that in? And, and that way you get your dosing right and you get yeah. and remove this manual handling. Can I do that? Y yes. Is this new technology? No. <laughs> this is one of the first things that was automated. Yeah. Uh, so we refer to it as depalletizing or decanting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that again is one of the very simple well, relatively simple tasks that um, we would class it as low-hanging fruit. It, it's a quick win. Yeah. That type of simple automation will pay for itself in months. But there's, there's the, I suppose, the human element of, you know, if you've got a, you know, a person stood there doing that repetitive lifting, um, you know, pulling and straining parts of their body that, you know, maybe shouldn't be pulled and strained uh, at that rate, um regularly you know when i think of the amount of time that's probably been lost over the years of people that have had bad back or some sort of muscular strain or, or yep. what have you you know the the costs well first of all your, your your productivity could be down um or you could get somebody in you know some factories will use temporary labor but then that costs more money over and above what you're already paying the permanent person yep. who's now gone off sick um so again yeah automation uh will just run like like clockwork day yeah, in day out without the risks and musculoskeletal injuries also account for the largest uh, portion of lost time injuries um, right. across all industry sectors so it doesn't matter whether you're an automotive plant or or a food and drink or nuclear those uh, msis are the things that will um, make people go off sick so a huge opportunity there just on that example alone uh, in, in a lot of cases, the automation is much cheaper than the fine from HSC. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So you, you mentioned automotive. I, I know the automotive sector is, is, you know, long been a user of of automation and robotics. Um, <laughs> the food industry, you know, another one. What what other sort of sectors have you know big opportunities to to innovate and grow through the through the adoption of of automation and robotics, George? Uh, I'm going to say all of them. Okay. Uh, so there are things that we can do across the majority of industry sectors, whether it's handling sheets of glass or whether it is uh, um, constructing uh, housing in factories, uh, which we refer to as modular build. Yep. Um, yeah, you name it, there's, there's probably a way that we can do it using automation, uh, especially, again, for those three Ds, the dull, the dirty, and the dangerous. Yeah, and the dangerous can also include the um, 
the manual handling aspect. Uh, so if you can, if you have to pick something up and move it on a regular basis, automate it. Even the HSC says it's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. In the guidelines. Absolutely. And, you know, that, that's without even looking at the, the sort of quality aspects as well. You know, absolutely. you've got safety, efficiency, it, it, you know, automation and robotics must, must improve the potential for a very, yep. very high rate of quality as well, right? Absolutely. Uh, and there's also the, um, uh, where you track everything, you yep. know, making sure that you know, the traceability. So you, you know, exactly what happens to a product all the way through its, uh, its production cycle. And, and there are things that each industry sector currently do that are really, really good, but they kind of keep it quiet to themselves and, and, and they don't <laughs> really want to share it. Yeah. And and that was part of the reason why we started doing the 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 webinars or the roundtables at Bara is so that we can take these little snips that we get from other industry sectors and we use those to cross pollinate across other industry sectors. So, for example, automotive, as you rightly said, they've been automating for years. And when they're designing a new car, the first thing they do is, OK, how do we automate the assembly of this vehicle? Yeah. And if a lot of other industry sectors would follow a similar tack, uh, we wouldn't be number 24 on the global list of uh, adopters. Yeah. And we wouldn't be seventh or whatever it is now in uh, manufacturing. We would be way up top. You know, we'd be in the top five. Yeah. <clears throat> That's that's a good point. I, I think we're 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 eighth in the, mm -hmm. I think we're eighth in that league. But then, yeah, number number. Do you say number twenty three in the twenty four? Twenty number twenty four, and so that's the, a number that's been the same for what the last. No, it's been it's been. We're getting worse, not better. Oh right, okay. So five years, I think it was five years ago, we were eighteenth, and we're now twenty right. fourth. Okay. Uh, so the way that this is measured is it's the number of robots used per working uh, population, if you like, per 10,000. Yeah. Uh, and and we're 24th. What's when caused you, the, the sort of reversal then of that, uh, of that upward trend? Uh, there are countries like um, Denmark, for example. Denmark are higher up the rating than we are. Yes, they're a smaller population, but they're better automated. Uh, I, I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to, to go around a couple of facilities in, in Denmark, and I was amazed at how much automation they had in those yeah. facilities compared to a similar company here in the UK. Uh, I, I went into one, they were making butter. Okay. And there were, there were five people walking around the factory as, uh, as supervisors. Yeah. And everything else was automated, whether it was AGVs or AMRs taking the pallets around the, the facility. Uh, there was robots that were doing the palletizing. Uh, there were robots that were doing the packing. There were robots that were doing the dispensing. Uh, so there's certain elements that they add into the uh, 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 the milk as it's being processed yeah. to to achieve butter. So they, you know, whether it's salt or whatever, but they were dosing that using automation instead of. Yeah someone tear open a pack and pour it in wow so so is it the fact that we 
Because uh, to me, it seemed like we'd slowed down in our adoption. But is it that we've just been overtaken by other countries that are doing it a lot quicker over, than us? We've been overtaken. Right. Plain and simple. Yeah. This has been quite a good year for robotics. But when you compare us to what Germany have done or what uh, France has done, for example, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's quite it's quite astounding when you yeah. see the, how the numbers stack up. Yeah. And for a, a country that is that has prided itself over the years of being the innovators, you, know, you look at we were the first adopters of of gas, for example, one of the first companies that adopted natural gas. Yeah. And there's there's going to be people who say, well, maybe that's not wasn't a good idea. But at the time, that was cutting edge technology. That was the way to to light the streets. Yep. And you look at where we are now and it's like well hang on a minute yeah we're doing all this really good stuff we're not doing it fast enough we're not growing the economy the way we should be growing the economy the way we should be growing the economy is by making more stuff we shouldn't yeah. be buying it from far-flung regions of the world we should be reshoring and or or at least nearshoring yes yeah you know, uh, <clears throat> i took part in a bar um webinar last week and I made a comment about uh, we were talking about, you know, sustainability and reshoring and that sort of stuff. And I says, well, let, let's all, you know, acknowledge the fact that <clears throat> all you need is one captain to um, park his boat across the Suez Canal and the world falls apart. Yeah. We know this to be a fact. Yeah. And you look how much that damaged not just our economy. But the Western world economy, because people couldn't get through that canal. Absolutely. Whereas if we were making more stuff, we're not as reliant on other countries. Yeah. And we're growing our economy, not their economy. There's a lot of people in in the UK manufacturing sector banging that very same drum day in, day out, week in, week out. And that's that's music to my ears, absolutely. Um, I'm a huge fan of reshoring. I was just thinking then when you were saying about, you know, the fact that we're not automating quick enough. And then I thought, well, why is that? And that's partly because humans are involved in making the decisions so, you know, without going totally AI on everything, I mean, I've, I've got mixed mixed thoughts about AI. I mean, it's great. Um, but, you know, may, maybe we need to find some way of automating the decision-making uh, around our economy. You know, bring I don't, I don't, they've probably got some sort of AI or modeling software. They must use that in politics and government, mustn't they? I mean, other, otherwise, are they, are they just sitting around in a in a cocktail bar somewhere <laughs> dreaming up uh policy and strategy i mean we, we, we need to get quicker and faster at making the right decisions so okay, if there having, is a way of doing that uh let, let's have it on the table having artificial intelligence in government would at least mean there was some intelligence in government <laughs> absolutely <laughs> oh yes I, I wasn't uh i wasn't quite prepared for so much comedy in this particular, <laughs> in this particular episode but you're right on point with that one george absolutely um, uh, it, for that matter, it doesn't matter which side of the political spectrum you are. There's not a lot to choose from at the moment. Very true. Very true. Um, but one of the things that, that you said about uh, taking people out of the decision-making process, uh, I actually think that's probably not necessary. Uh, what people need to to understand is what can be done. 
yeah. uh, what is being done. Uh, there are some very simple applications where, you know, palletizing, uh, case packing. And again, it doesn't matter what the product is. It doesn't matter if you're a multinational conglomerate or someone in a cottage industry. There will be a right level of automation for their needs. Yeah. The multinational conglomerate, yes, it's probably going to be a full line. But for mom and pop engineering or a cottage uh, uh, industry, it can be a, a label applicator. You know, that can be your first step into automation. Yeah. And not only is it going to put it on faster and straighter and so on and so forth, but it means you can do something better. And that's the whole point of, of automation is you take people out of those dull, dirty, dangerous applications and you get them doing more rewarding jobs, things that automation can't quite do yet. Yeah. The true decision-making processes. You know, which, which would you rather do? Pack a box all day or be responsible for the guy, you know, sat there on the, the computer um, managing the shipments? I know which one I'd rather do. Yeah. So it all, it all comes back to triple D or the three Ds um, yep. each time. So that's a good one for, for people to, uh, to remember. Um, okay. So just breaking away, just, just for a, a short while from the, the overall conversation about uh, automation and, you know, some of the applications and benefits. I want to sort of spotlight the, the exciting news uh, that's already been out in, in terms of the rebrands from the PPMA group of companies to Automate UK. I only picked this up a few days ago. We'd already had this uh, uh, podcast scheduled in the diary for, for two or three weeks. And then, Lo and behold, the announcement went out, and I was thinking, "Crikey, that's brilliant!" Um, you know what? What a what an exciting thing to um, to talk about. So, what what was the reason behind that, George? Uh, well, there were several reasons behind it. Uh, first and foremost, is if you ask most people what PPMA was, uh, what the acronym was, they would go, "Isn't that just the show?" Mm. Uh, and it is, of course, Process Packaging Manufacturers Association. And when you look at what our members do, it, it's not necessarily processing or packaging manufacturers. It can, you know, it is automation. And automation, as I've already pointed out, takes many different uh, guises. Mm -hmm. and depends on the business needs of independent uh, of the individual companies as to what is the right level of automation for them. Yeah. Uh, so the heart of everything that we do is automation. And what do we want to do? We want to automate the UK. We're practical. And uh, again, when you look at what Bara does and what uh, the, the UK Industrial Vision Association or Yukiva, our sister group, what they do. Uh, we're, we're involved in a lot more industry sectors than just the Process Packaging Manufacturers Association was. So it's, yeah. it, it was quite niche. So Automate UK kind of fits the bill a little better. Uh, that was the, the driving force behind it was to make us more um, relatable to our membership. And it, I think it makes sense uh, when uh, I've obviously known about this for some time and it, it's been killing me. So at least I can like, talk about it. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, 
you know, <clears throat> when we had our conversation a couple of weeks ago about that doing this podcast i was i so wanted to let the cat out of the bag and i was like no i can't i can't yeah well it's a little bit like waiting for christmas day isn't it when you're a kid you, you've just got to You've just got to suck it up until yep. until it happens. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one, wonderful, wonderful times. Uh, the website looks great, by the way. Um, really vibrant. You know, everything's on there. It's well laid out. So uh, you know, any, anybody who's listening or watching the podcast by the time this comes out, yeah, get onto the new Automate UK website. So it's automate-uk.com. Is that correct? That's, That's right. Great. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, on, while we're on that note, I will say uh, keep checking back because this is just the start. Uh, there's right. there's lots more being developed in the background. Uh, same as the social media aspect. Uh, so for anyone who has uh, been on LinkedIn over the last week or at least the last few days, you will have seen a lot more activity than normal. And it's getting yeah. the, the new brand out. Uh, tip of the iceberg for what we have planned really exciting times so I'll, I'll be following that really closely super so we've had the rebranding uh what about the the recent government announcement in the autumn statement then uh 4.5 billion pounds investment to support advanced manufacturing yep uh which hopefully will encourage more reshoring which we we sort of touched on earlier mm -hmm. where where do you george see the 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 best use of that sort of funding is there a way for your members to to access that? Any any sort of signposting you can do at the moment? Uh, yeah, there's. It depends on your industry sector uh, first and foremost, because there. Have, it, I've read through the uh, the white paper this morning uh, just to refresh my memory, uh, <laughs> and it is as clear as mud. <laughs> yeah, if, if yeah. I'm being brutally honest, as most government white papers are. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, it, it's written for the legal lights of the world. Uh, so it, it wasn't immediately clear exactly how to uh, uh, to get access to the funding apart from uh, the Made Smarter. Okay. Uh, made, the Made Smarter program is something that is referenced in several points throughout the document. Yep. Uh, and I've always been quite excited about Made Smarter um, because it drives exactly what we're talking about here it drives uk manufacturing yeah and ways that we can improve how we do things you know some of the things that that we need to look at is you know what applications that that companies should look at first uh, so this is advanced manufacturing and uh, or the, uh, according to the white paper so uh, there'll be a lot of people who are going well hang on a minute packing boxes is an advanced manufacturing but it's about making efficiencies. Uh, so there are ways of getting some additional funding for that as well. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and there will be, uh, as I've already mentioned, lots of updates on the uh, um, the Automate UK website. Uh, so I would uh, highly uh, recommend people coming back on a regular basis just to see what's new. Brilliant. So... There's a lot of different processes uh, within within manufacturing. Some are, you know, naturally more conducive to to automation than, than others. Yep. Have you got any sort of specific advice for you know manufacturers who maybe haven't yet started on the automation journey? Um, is there is there a, a typical or a, a good place to start? 
I guess you're going to say how long's a piece of string, but uh, you know. I, yes and no. Uh, the the best thing to do is research. Uh, there's a saying as as we all know, you don't know what you don't know. Yep. Uh, and if you're not careful, you can be sold a pup, if that makes sense. Uh, so you <laughs> yeah. can be sold a a, a solution that's not doesn't tick all the boxes. So when you're looking at what you want to automate, uh, the first thing I would recommend is getting in touch with Bara and finding out who we have on our books, if you like, as members, yep. uh, who has expertise in your field, whether it's uh, food manufacturing, whether it's uh, uh, metal handling, whatever it may be. And uh, you know, we have members who, who cover the, the entire spectrum. Uh, so what we would then do is uh, introduce you to to that particular member, uh, and they would come out and and have a look. And what they will do if if they're worth their salt is look at not the bit you show them. Well, we will look at it, but we want to look at processes upstream and downstream. Okay. Because yeah. what what companies will perceive as being their bottleneck usually is not. It's usually a processor to upstream or downstream from where they think the problem is. Mm. So it's either being uh, oversaturated because something downstream can't take the product or it's being starved because something upstream can't supply the, the product that they need. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and that's particularly important if it is a time critical uh, process. Let's say, for example, you're making, uh, I don't know, chocolate eclairs, pulling something out of the air. Uh, there are bits of the pro of the product that are clearly time critical you know, because you don't want them in an ambient environment for very long. And if the process gets blocked for whatever reason, whether it's starvation or, or oversaturation, you know, there is the potential that, okay, that's been there for an hour now without being able to, to be stirred or, or whatever. Yeah. We have to dump that. So if you do what's known as line balancing, so everything is connected uh, and you slow down processes upstream or downstream so that you always have a constant flow. Yeah. And it sounds counterintuitive, but a lot of times if you slow down, you go faster, uh, especially in robotics. Uh, there, there's been several times where when I was still on the tools where I would go in and uh, prove Right. Let's let's slow the robot down. It, it can't reach two and a half meters per second in this uh, 300 mil move. Not physically possible. So you slow it down to a sensible number. And then the process, uh, your cycle time is actually quicker because you're not constantly speeding up and slowing down, speeding up, slowing down. And more importantly, right. you use less energy doing that. So it's it's a win, win, win across the board. Right? That's not the case always. But yeah. in more more cases than not, it, it is that is the way it works. And you I mean, you've got a, ra a whole range of of members uh, mm -hmm. within Bara. Um, people that are not overly familiar with with, with automation or or robotics, mm -hmm. or even procuring certain other parts, you know, types of capital equipment. Uh, you do have some of your members are integrators as opposed to OEMs, aren't they? So, yeah, that's right. you know, an integrator would be an organization that could give you advice on a solution, 
but isn't just sort of chains to one manufacturer who's is that the best way of describing that that's my understanding Absolutely. of it yeah and there's also uh we we also have a system integrator certification scheme right okay uh, so we've we partnered up with a3 uh, in the states uh so it's uh, the association for advancing automation uh and what we have done is uh we have we've agreed a a set of tests if you like for one of a better phrase hmm. where integrators can go through and as long as they can achieve those standards then they can become a certified integrator uh, it is not a one and done it is a constant uh um, thing that that has to happen yeah so every two years they get re-audited and you know we look at everything from how many different robot types can you program how many robot programmers do you have in the business? How many PLC um, people do you have in the business? How many mech engineers do you have? How many electrical engineers do you have? Yeah. What's your after-sales support like? So it, it's not an easy thing to pass this. The, the integrators need to know what they're doing. Yeah. And the reason that we've done that is there's a wide spectrum of integrators. Uh, there are those that can nail robots to the floor and make them move around and, and do the process-ish. And then there are some really, really outstanding integrators. Uh, I, I wanted to, to introduce a tier sch scheme, but apparently that was a step too far. <laughs> yeah, well, who knows? That, that might be something. It was tough enough as it was. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so... We did talk about reshoring earlier. Uh, as I said, it is, it is a, a you know a favourite topic of mine. You use the term uh, nearshoring as well, and I, and I think that's that's as important. You know, I'd, I would always say personally, you know, if if it's impossible for us to to make something here, then yes, I, I you know get it from some other part of the world. But we need to be more self sufficient. I think as yep. as a nation for lots of different reasons nearshoring is is the next best thing you know at the end of the day regardless of anybody's opinions on things like brexit um mm -hmm. we do need our european neighbors you know we need international trade but if we're gonna if we're gonna get stuff in from outside of our own country because we can't physically make it ourselves mm -hmm. why are we why are we buying stuff from the other side of the world when we can get it from uh you know a couple of thousand miles away so exactly. I'd, I'd love the whole nearshoring thing as well but what what's the current state of play amongst your bar members you know in terms of the impacts of this i, I could only call it a, a recent trend of reshoring i mean it's been sort of whispered about for i mean i've been in recruitment nearly 25 years and it's over that period it's sort of yeah it was sort of like a a dream initially it was like oh wouldn't it be great if you know we could make more stuff here and but the last sort of i don't know five six seven years I think there's, it's it's become more of a possible reality. And then COVID's come along and the supply chain issues, Suez Canal and all these sort of things. Reshoring is actually happening, isn't it? And it's, it's it absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. So what's and the state of play in your members? Well, uh, leading on from what you were saying, there are companies that um, 10 years ago, they'll never come back was the way that everyone thought. Yeah. And they're coming home. Yeah, that speaks for itself, I think. Uh, I think that's the one lesson that we all hopefully have learned from COVID. 
yeah. is we need to shorten our supply chains. Uh, and again, leading on from from your comment about things shipping all over the world, uh, I did some research for a, an article uh, about this time last year, and I was astonished at how many ships there are on the high seas that just container ships. Yeah, there's in excess of ninety thousand large container ships on the high seas at any one time, and each of those container ships. Uh, if especially the older ones, uh, they emit more pollution in their lifetime than 50 million diesel vehicles. Wow. The prosecution rests, Your Honor. Yeah, absolutely. Crikey. We, if we want to, as a, um, a human race, if we want to seriously tackle climate change, that's the easiest way to do it. Let's yeah. start taking ships off the high seas. Let's yeah. start making stuff locally again. Yeah. And, and if we can't make it here, as you rightly said, let's make it on the continent. That sounds like a brilliant plan. Uh, it should be part of a part of an industrial strategy, I think, if we, if we yes. had such a thing. If we, only we had a, a um, minister for manufacturing. Yes. Uh, well, there you, there you go again. Another uh, another hot topic that's, uh, you know, we, we've all been banging a, a drum about for, you know, the last few years. But, you know, the government have sort of uh, started inching their way forward with, with some help. Let's see how far they're really prepared to go. But, yeah. uh, again, that's probably another another podcast topic in itself. Uh, absolutely. But, but again, to add a little bit more meat to that one, there's – I think companies would be very surprised at how many integrators there are in the UK and mm. how many who are more than willing and more than capable – of setting up uh, facilities to do stuff. And, and yeah. it doesn't matter whether you're making biscuit tins or vehicles uh, or, or battery packs for vehicles. You know, bring it on. Uh, yeah. Our members are ready. The capability is there. We have the technology. Love it. I love that. Brilliant. So let's go back to skills. How How is are addressing the skills gap or helping your members to help end users i suppose you know manufacturing businesses adopt training and technology okay well uh, as i've already alluded to we uh, as bar we we hold regular webinars and they are designed for those who are starting out okay they're they're not pitched at those who have been in the game as long as we have. I mean, I sold my first robot in 1998. So I've, I've been around a little bit. Yeah. But we, um, we're we purposely pitching them so that it gives people at least the, the basics of what they need to do. And, and if you've missed any of the webinars, don't worry. They're all online. Great. You can go back and rewatch them all. Uh so the other thing that we're doing as part of uh, Automation UK is we still have PPMA Best. Yeah. And and most people aren't aware of what PPMA Best is or was uh, is. <clears throat> so PPMA Best is a um, it, it's kind of a sub organization where we help companies find apprentices. And not only do we help them with that, but there are bursaries available. There are uh, yeah, there's there's lots of different training sessions that we offer and, and so on and so forth. So there is funding there to help. Yeah. 
and uh, and Peter Williamson, uh, we were having a conversation the other day, and he said, you would be surprised how difficult it is to give that money away. Because people, A, automatically assume there's a catch to it, and, and yeah. B, they're like, but that means we have to take an apprentice on. Yeah, but we're paying for the apprentice or part of the apprentice. You know, we're, we're helping you through government funding as well as our own funding. Yeah. You know, we see that there is a shortage of engineers and we want to be part of that solution, not part of the problem. Yeah. We don't want to be the ones that are sat there going, we should have more engineers. Mm. And, and again, this goes on from our conversation the other week. You know, that's the one thing. If, if I won the big one, if I won that 180 million, there would be a portion of that that goes to uh, educating the young people of tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow's engineers. We, we need those in, in the pipeline, 100%. And that's just something that maybe I'm, I'm cross-wired somewhere, but I, I would rather be part of the solution and part of the problem. And uh, to, to throw a, a Star Wars reference in, we should all take a, a leaf out of Master Yoda's book and pass on what we have learned absolutely i i was i was tempted then to do a yoda impression but i think i'll i'll leave that for now <laughs> uh so uh, you know technology support signposting network of of integrators expertise training webinars helping with getting more youngsters into manufacturing and engineering so many things to talk to bara about and automate uk wonderful uh, Absolutely. And, and it doesn't stop there. Uh, if you are looking to upskill or cross-skill uh, current employees, there are uh, courses on there for, for sales. Uh, there are courses on there for sales for non-sales people, uh, leadership, okay. uh, time management, marketing. There's lots of things available that are not necessarily techie, yeah. but are good for businesses. Great. Well, it sounds like a lot of businesses are going to have some fun navigating through your new up updated website, following the rebrand and finding out all these goodies. While we're on the educational thing, um, yeah. one, one tidbit I'll probably throw at you now is that if there are any uh, university representatives uh, in the audience, uh, as long as they have a robotics and automation uh, type course, uh, they can actually join Bar for free. Brilliant. Okay. And and just off the top of your head, uh, how many, do you know how many universities are running those types of courses at the moment? I, I wouldn't have a clue, but. We think there's about 60 uh, around the UK. Okay. Okay. Whether a large combination of, uh, uh, of which there are a grand total of 12 there who are currently members. Wow. So the Go. other, the other 48 are, are missing out clearly. Absolutely. <laughs> We're not going to mention any names. No, no. But what, what they are missing out on is the uh, the ability to understand what we as industry leaders need. Yeah. Um, at, in my day job, we were looking for uh, a um, applications engineer um, 18 months ago or so. And we entered, interviewed a brand new graduate. He had a very, very good degree. And one of the, the tests that we do is we lay out a 2D drawing of a cell that we made here in, uh, at Google. Hmm. And we said, so what you see, plain and simple. And this individual looked at us and said, sorry, mate, lines on a page. He couldn't read a 2D drawing. Right, okay. And he was 
from a very reputable university yeah. with a very, very good degree, and he couldn't read a 2D drawing. Put the yeah. 3D cat up, and he was all over it. Yeah, yeah. But couldn't read the drawing. And and using CAD, he was just he was phenomenal. Yeah, couldn't read a, a two D drawing. So let's be part of the solution. Yeah, absolutely. I love and, that. And and that is exactly why when we uh, decided that we were going to open Bara up to the universities, this is one of the reasons is because we want to. It, it's really good that, that you're teaching them how to use uh, SolidWorks and so on and so forth. Still need to be able to read real drawings as well. Yeah, they they need to to be able to to see the solution. There's a lot of times that that people who come from a, a more artist artistic sort of background are better at this sort of engineering because they can see yeah. the solution. They they have their mind open, and, and and that's a lot of it. You know, some of the best engineers I've ever met and had the opportunity to work with weren't engineers. You know, they they learned on the job. They mm. they can see how things have worked in the past and they take their their uh, sort of inspiration from other things that they've done yeah so the so there's there's clearly a a strong link between academia and and industry through through your association and, and in particularly the the membership um this is something that i've i've come up against in uh, or come across rather in in a number of different sectors where you know there's fantastic research and development going on in a in a, a lot of universities on the on the technical side, but then industry will have its own specific needs, and there, there seems to be a a huge gap in between that a academia and 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 industry. So with with you, you know, working with your your members and end users, yep. but then bringing the universities in as well, that's joining the whole thing up properly, isn't it? There's also lots of really good things that are being done in universities. Mm. Uh, I went around one in particular, and uh, I was looking at a fast-moving consumer goods uh, application at the time. And I was racking my brains trying to figure out how to do it. We had engineers from all over the world scratching their heads. And by chance, I'm there uh, talking about something completely unrelated. Yeah. And they showed me a video clip. I'm like, that's exactly what I want to do. Can I buy that or can I license that mm. from the university? Because that's the solution I want. And they're like, oh, we don't know how to do that. <laughs> I don't think it's possible. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons why we want to bring these universities into the, the bar of fold is that way they can see the struggles that we as, as industry leaders are having. Yeah. And when they're getting their, their students to do uh, research projects, Let's get them working on something that we need and let's have a, a mechanism where we can share the wealth. Yeah, absolutely. That makes the whole, the whole thing turn, turn around a lot easier, doesn't it? It uh, does. Really purposeful. Brilliant. Well, we're, we're sort of coming to the, the end of our, our podcast discussion, um, George. It's, it's been absolutely fantastic uh, so far, but before we sort of finish up, would you just like to sort of uh, give a little, uh, insight into any upcoming events that are organized by Bara uh, that should be on the radar of manufacturing professionals? What, what's in the diary that you can talk about? <laughs> There's lots in the diary that, that okay can talk about and that I'm going to talk about whether I should or not. <laughs> <laughs> you far so, away. 
So first and foremost, uh, we have the Automation UK uh, exhibition, uh, yep. which uh, 2024 will be our second year. Uh, uh, that is on the 18th and 19th of June, and that's uh, at the Coventry Building Society Arena here in Coventry, formerly known as the RICO. Okay. Uh, there's also the PPMA show. Uh, it will remain the PPMA show, uh, and that's on the 24th through the 26th of September, uh, and again, that's at the NEC. Yep. Uh, we have lots of webinar webinars that are going on, or roundtables as we call them. Uh, that'll be going on this year. It's going to be quite a um, full year. Uh, so there's the, the next one will be in March, and that's going to be based on machine tending uh, because there's the Mac exhibition that's that's coming up uh, yes. in, in April. Yep. Uh, then what we're trying to do is get organized at Automation UK having uh, two live roundtable events. So one on day one and one on day two. And they're going to be different topics. We haven't quite decided what the topics are going to be yet. Uh, if that's a success, then there may be a possibility that we repeat that at uh, the PPMA show for one day only. Yeah, because putting three in there that would that would take what's left of my <laughs> hair that's a normal color and make it gray. Brilliant. Um, but some of the topics that we're we're looking to do is uh, that would be advances in automation, uh, what the return on investment of automation is, uh, uh, collaborative robot integration, and uh, the pitfalls around that. Because yeah. contrary to popular belief, you can't just throw a robot down on the floor and and not do a risk assessment on it. Yeah. Uh, and and the most important one I think is going to be the safety and automation because there's some uh, some updates to this. The, the robot standards and safety standards that are coming out this year uh, in 2024. Okay. So once we know the full details of that, uh, then uh, that that one will be announced. That'll be fairly quickly after, I would think, after it is, um, uh, it's released. Uh, we know some of it that's coming, but we don't know it all. Uh, so it, it'll be... It'll make some of the gray areas in the legislation crystal clear from what I've been told. So <laughs> fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's all the ones for now. Um, Brilliant. Thanks for giving us some advanced warning of these fantastic events around the, the exhibition halls and uh, and the online stuff as well. So that really wraps up today's episode. I hope the, the audience, whether they're watching or listening, uh, have enjoyed our discussion. I've certainly enjoyed it. I hope you have too, George. I have. Um, so thank you, George Thompson uh, from, from Bara, which is now part of Automate UK. Thank you for listening and look out for the next episode of Insights for Manufacturing. See you next time and bye-bye. <laughs>